right now in Truth Today. Islam, wherever it goes, it causes chaos and evil. Why is that? We're going to be discussing how where Islam goes, you see anti-Semitism, more jihad, more Sharia enforcement. Also, what is going on right now around the United States with this holiday that's called Ashura? Why are Muslims flogging themselves? What is all that about? And ultimately, the lost, including Muslims, need Jesus. That and much more right now on Truth Today. Well, uh, thank you for joining us this morning or this afternoon, depending on your time zone. Uh, this is Pastor Sharam Hayden with Truth and Love Ministry. We're glad you can join us for another episode of Truth Today, where we are committed to speaking the truth in love on all matters that must be addressed, particularly from a biblical worldview. That's our commitment as a ministry. It's our commitment as a show. And um, we uh, continue to press into areas that maybe are even uncomfortable to talk about or people don't even want to talk about anymore because they are that important and we need to cover them. And that's one of the things I want to cover this morning on this show. Um, there's so much that I could cover. There's so many different headlines in the news, um, all the stuff that's going on with Hunter Biden and the corruption and the corruption in our nation. And, and as you guys know, we cover those things. But uh, at the heart at the heart of my background, my testimony, being a former Muslim, um, one of the greatest assignments that God has put on my heart is to continue to expose Islam and what Islam really is and how it's been functioning for over 1400 years and how I believe it will be a key element of God's judgment in these last days. I truly believe that, and I believe the Bible supports that. But before we get into that, uh, just quickly visit our website, tilministry.com, tilministry.com. Check out all of our content, including our events calendar. Sign up for our email newsletter if you want to order any DVDs. Also, our Rumble page, rumble.com slash Ramhadian, rumble.com slash Ramhadian. Please check out the Rumble page. Subscribe like and share three things we ask you to do subscribe like and share that helps us to get our viewers share up um, on those issues um, i want to start today uh, focusing on uh, this issue of islam the the, the, sh the title of our show today is wherever islam goes and takes hold it seems to usher in chaos Darkness, evil, confusion, um, violence, crime. I mean, the list is long. And this is not an indictment on every Muslim, as I've been accused of in the past. Where are you? You're a Muslim hater. No, I do not hate individual Muslims as I was a Muslim. I was a former Muslim. My family, uh, many are still Muslim by, by, by profession, whether they practice or not is a whole different situation, right? A whole different argument. But why is this issue important? Because it is part of the deception in these last days. Islam and the way that Islam has been, have, has been portrayed, particularly since 9-11 and the whole notion of Islam as a religion of peace, Religion of the peace, religion of the peace, religion of the peace. We heard it ad nauseum, particularly after 9-11. It, 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 it's so important that we are not deceived by anything. As Christians, our heart should be that, Lord, I don't want to be deceived by anything, right? Isn't that a fair, fair prayer, a just prayer? Lord, help me to not be deceived by anything. I want to have wisdom and discernment and understanding and I think one of the greatest discernments that we must have and one of the greatest deceptions that is happening today is the issue of Islam being mixed and merged with Christianity and Judaism and this notion of interfaith and multi-faith and Islam is Abrahamic. Uh, all of these are lies. And we have spent years in our ministry debunking these lies. 
We have documents on our, on our website right now as we speak at info at tillministry.com. Say no to interfaith. Go check it out. Ten reasons to, ten questions to ask your church or your mission organization if they're engaging in unbiblical practice of interfaith. Because all of this is, is an absolute perversion and compromise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're going to truly preach the gospel as was preached to me, we cannot engage in these things. Common ground, common word, interfaith, Chrislam, all these things are deception. And then lately, we are coming out with the multi-faith deception. That's why our brand new DVD that's coming out, and I believe we just got another update that it is arriving August 6th, so in five days, it is called One World Religion Rising, where we go through the what I believe to be part of the last day's faith deception between Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, particularly this lie of multi-faith and this lie of Abrahamic faith. We have another document on our website it, under the same heading of Say No to Interfaith. There's another document that we just po posted there from a good friend of mine in Minnesota, uh, Tammy Godwin, who wrote it, and, and, and I uh, collaborated with her a little bit and, 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 and edited it, and we put it on our website. That is 10 reasons why Islam cannot be an Abrahamic faith. Go check it out. And by the way, tomorrow I'm going to be on a program, uh, Hope Report, with my friend Melissa Hooray, who is in Minnesota, and I'm going to be speaking at her church August the 16th in Apple River, or Apple Valley, Minnesota. Apple Valley, the church, is on our website again. Please, if you're in the area, come. Because we're exposing this deception. And so we've been at length. So why is this important? Why does it matter what Muslims are doing? because it is part of the globalist deception. It is part of that. And I wanna um, go to uh, the, the, the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, as you know, we always start in the Word of God. And um, I want to start here today because we are called to expose the works of darkness. So. If you have your Bible app or your physical Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to use my physical Bible today. And in chapter 5, um, when it talks about walk in love, be imitators of God as dear children, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So walk in love. Why? Why do we walk in love? Because Christ loved us and gave himself as an offering. So this is about the gospel. To walk in love means to present the gospel. If you love somebody, you're going to tell them the truth. If you love somebody, you're going to present them the good news. And then it goes in verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So it goes through this list of things that we ought not to do if we're walking in love. If we're truly being loving, we don't engage in uncleanness. We don't engage in covet coveting and foolish language. But what else do we not engage in? For, verse 5, for this you know that no fornicators, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or God. Well, guess what? Those who also follow false religions are idolaters by definition. Because if you worship a false god, you're an idolater. By definition, you are an idol worshiper because it's an idol. Whether in the case of Islam, it is Allah, who is a, it is, which is a false god, because Islam is rooted in Baal worship. The very god of Muhammad in the Kaaba, which was that black building that is in Mecca today, the very god of his tribe, before he ever got this so-called revelation of the final religion, being Islam, the very god of his tribe was called Hubal. Hubal. The moon god. Baal worship. And so, none of these are going to inherit the kingdom of Christ. None of them are going to come into the kingdom if you're an idolater. And then verse 6, let no one deceive you. 
with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Guess what? Here's some empty words. Oh, Islam is Abrahamic. Empty words. Muslims and Christians worship the same God. Empty words. Why am I so passionate about this? Why am I so fired up about this? Because I came out of Islam 24 years ago. The gospel of Jesus Christ rescued me out of the darkness of Islam. And I have witnessed my birth country of, of Iran, that is Persia, the rich Persian history that goes back 3,000 years of history. I witnessed Persia in Iran destroy the Persian customs, the Persian history destroyed because Islam took over. I'm talking from experience and I've warned America and I've warned the West and I've warned Europe. I've warned pastors and Christians about this for years now to very little avail because we see Islam marching. We see this deception marching. And then it says, walk in light. So if we are going to walk in love, we must also walk in the light. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and having no fellowship. Listen, having no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Why does our ministry exist? Why does truth in love ministry exist? Because we are called to, have, to walk as light, to walk as love, and have no fellowship. What does fellowship mean? Do not come in agreement. Do not have covenant. Do not say we are one. With what? With any unfruitful works of darkness. Anything that comes from Satan. Anything that Satan has inspired. Anything that Satan created. Do not have fellowship with it. Do not engage in it. Rather what? What are we supposed to do? Expose it. We're supposed to expose it. We're supposed to expose these things, which is why we're doing what we're doing. Why does this law matter? Why do we even talk about this? Why don't we just talk about the globalists and all, all, all the other things or the corruption in our nation? All those are, are good. All those are important. We must talk about those. But I feel so much now that particularly since post-COVID brain and post-COVID mush that we've fallen into, this COVID deception, people are not interested. They've given in. The church has given in. Just like they gave in to the LGBTQ+, they've given in. Oh, well, no, 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 we have to walk and love. Love the Muslims. Yes, love them. But loving Muslims doesn't mean that we, we fellowship with them in darkness. It means we expose what they're doing. If we love them, if we walk as love, if we walk as light, and then later in the chapter it says walk in wisdom, if we walk in love, light, and wisdom, we will do what? We will go to them and we will share the good news and seek to expose the evil of what they're following and the evil of what they're perpetrating. Because as I've always said throughout our ministry, it is not Muslims that corrupt Islam, which is what we're being told. Oh, Islam is a religion of peace. It's these Muslims over here that corrupted Islam. They're the ones who are radicals and they're corrupting Islam. No, 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 no. It is Islam. It is this demonic antichrist spirit that is in the text of this evil book, the Quran, of the Islamic Sharia law manual. It is this evil that is corrupting individuals, those who are called Muslims or followers of Islam. It is the source that is corrupting them because the source is demonic. The source is evil. And that's why you see, going back to our headline today, wherever Islam goes, it ushers in chaos, evil, darkness, confusion, depravity, fraud, crime. All you got to do is ask the Europeans. Go talk to the Europeans. Go talk to some people in France and the UK where there were these Muslim no-go zones, where there were these no-go zones or what the French government calls these urban sensitive zones. Just go talk to the native Europeans who were 
driven out of those areas once the Muslims got power and control in those areas and began to do their Sharia patrols. And we'll talk about that. But all of this is what the Bible commands us. So why, do, why are we doing this? Because we will continue to expose the works of darkness. Whether it's popular or not, folks, please forgive me. I am not living a popularity contest. I am not here to please you. I am here to please God. But I'm also here to equip the body of Christ. And so I pray that if you are tracking with this, please Please, please um, follow us, support us. And also, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Let me bring up this headline. Can you bring up that headline from the Harbinger's Daily, The Staggering Degree of Biblical Illiteracy? Um, Because at the same time, right there, at the same time that we're trying to expose the works of darkness, we're at the point where Christianity is at its lowest biblical Uh, literacy. The lack of biblical worldview. Here's the article, staggering degree of biblical illiteracy. Poll finds fewer and fewer Americans believe in hell and the devil. That's why they don't think Islam is a threat because they don't understand hell. They don't understand the devil. They don't understand the antichrist spirit. They don't understand what is satanic, what is evil. And the article talks about the staggering drop over the last 20 years based on Gallup that is not even a Christian organization, right? And, and, and how uh, belief in God and heaven has, is down more than, more than 16 points. Belief in hell has fallen 12 points. And it's a result of the world having more influence over the church than the church has over the world. And then it goes on to talk about that this poll reveals the consequences of a compromised church Something that, again, we've covered multiple times where the Barna research, George Barna's research at the University of the uh, Christian University of Arizona, Arizona Christian University, revealed last year that only 37% of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview. And when it came to the youth pastors, it was less than 10%. So we're putting people, we're putting individuals with our children and expecting those individuals to train up our children when less than 10% of them have a biblical worldview. On the other hand, according to Barner's research, a majority of church leaders, 62%, possess what is referred to as a, quote, hybrid worldview known as syncretism. Folks, guess what interfaith and multi-faith is? Guess what ecumenicalism is? If you hear a Christian use the word ecumenicalism, flee! or correct them first and then flee if they won't turn. Because the word ecumenicalism, both within Christianity and ecumenicalism outside with other faiths, is unbiblical. Ecumenicalism asserts that we should have unity, no matter our differences, and that we are, what? In a place that we are equal. There is an equality. So if you are a Christian, you claim to be a Christian, but maybe you're Unitarian, you don't believe in the Trinity, well, you're equal. We should have ecumenicalism with those who believe in the Trinity. No, because if you don't believe in the Trinity, you're not believing in the deity of Jesus Christ. That's a big difference. Um, Or, well, those who are Christians, but they support, you know, LGBTQ, we should have unity and ecumenicalism with them because after all, we're all Christians. No, no. Because I just told you, we can't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Anything that perverts the word of God. And then ecumenicalism outside of the quote-unquote Christian community is now with Muslims and, and Hindus and Buddhists and, oh, we all worship the same God. We all have truth in our religions and we got to bring all religions together. You know, if we bring the Jews and the Muslims and the Christians and the Hindus and the Baha'is and the, and the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses, bring them all together and we just all learn from each other. That's how we're going to have clarity and we're going to have revelation because we are ecumenical. Ecumenicalism is unbiblical to the core. It is syncretism. And syncretism, as described here in this article, is where you have the Christians and the Muslims coming together and saying, look, we have common ground. Let's blend like Chris Lom. 
Let's have interfaith and multi-faith. That's what it is warning. And it's even worse in younger people. Even worse. And so I start there because when we go to events that are happening, like what happened in, Sufo, in, in um, Fargo, North Dakota, with the shooting, with the, with the ambush of the four police officers. Um, Dryer, we have that image of the police officers. If we can bring that up here uh, real quick. We have the four police officers. The one, again, who was uh, killed, Officer Jake Wallen, Wallen on the left, brand new out of the academy. And then the, the two other officers, Dotus and Hawes, who, who are still uh, recovering and, and, and still in uh, potential life uh, risk. You know, they're... they're it's still not 100%. And then you have Officer uh, Zach uh, Robinson, who uh, was the guy that engaged the shooter. But we find out that the shooter, who was a Muslim Syrian refugee in Fargo, was planning a much bigger attack, had 1,800 rounds of ammunition, multiple uh, weapons in his vehicle, um, propane tanks that were rigged with explosives to blow up. He was planning a massive jihadist attack in Fargo. And whether this was intentional or not, he gets into this car accident and now he decides to ambush police who come. So whether it was that and calling it a, a, an act of jihad or what happened in New York, let's bring up the Gateway Pundit article. First, please draw a dancing shirtless man pumping gas in New York, stabbed by, to death by offended Muslim because... As I've said time and time again, you see in this, in this image, the black, there's a black gentleman there with um, kind of pinkish um, shorts uh, next to the white guy next to that black car. And then the kid in the red shorts there with the black shirt, that's the Muslim. That's the Muslim who uh, uh, stabbed and, and killed this gay uh, please come back to me, Dry. This gay black male who was pumping gas, and they were—I uh, uh, I presume they were dancing and being provocative—and a group of Muslims confronted him about his quote offensive behavior, according to witnesses. A suspect, a 17-year-old Muslim male, was seen on surveillance video stabbing the victim to death, according to eyewitnesses. The suspect said, "Oh, we are Muslims, so don't do this in front of me." And um, the NYPD is investigating it as a hate crime. And yet, every news article that I've seen outside of, for example, the Gateway Pundit or, the, or Jihad Watch or one of the ones that we follow, every single one did not identify the attacker as Muslim. They're not going to go there. They're not going to go there. And um, because uh, this... These four guys that came out of the car, they were drunk probably. It was, it, it was one of the hottest days in, in New York City and they were homosexual. Let's go to the Jihad Watch article, which goes a little further, that says, why did a Muslim stab a shirtless gay? We find out he's also a BLM activist. Um, the victor, O'Shea Sibley, 28, was a professional dancer. Back in 2020, he joined the dance troupe called Vogue for Black Lives Matter, which created a dance video spotlighting black, queer, and trans people who use voguing as a form of protest. In the video, Sibley and his fellow dancers dance and dip literally in the face of the police. They also raised their fist in unison. And... Um, but now he's dead. The murderer is not a MAGA hat-wearing racist redneck yahoo of leftist myth, but someone who Sibley would likely have assumed was an ally. Ah, a fellow member of the left, left alliance of groups that are allegedly victims of the white man. The focus of evil in the modern world and the group that the Biden regime has repeatedly claimed constitutes the largest terror threat that the, threat that the nation faces today, being white Christian men. But now, uh, he was stabbed to death by a group of Muslim men, huh, who said that they were offended 
their Muslim faith was offended by this gay, black BLM activist. You go, well, how does that work? Sharm, I thought the Muslims were right there with the LGBTQ++++. I thought the Muslims were right there with the feminists and the left. What's going on? Well, we've been telling you, we've been warning you over and over and over again. Dry, let's go to our two houses image really quick that Islam operates in two houses. I, I, I've, no, I've said this ad nauseum, until Americans and the West understand the two houses of Islam, they will never understand Islam. The lower house is called Dar al-Harb. You see on the left of your screen there, that means house of war. The upper house is called Dar al-Islam, the house of surrender. When Muslims are in an area where they're in the lower house, that means that they're in the minority, they don't have any power, they don't have any influence, they operate in um, warfare and deception. They will lie to us. They will lie about being Christians. They will lie about interfaith. They will lie about being pro-LGBTQ, pro-feminist until they get to the upper house, like in Hamtramck, Michigan, where now they have banned the pride flags in Hamtramck, the first Muslim-majority city in America, the first Muslim-majority city council in America, the first Muslim-majority or Muslim mayor in America, and, and Hamtramck went faster than Dearborn. Uh, it is over 50% Muslim population now, a former Polish community. Why? Because the left helped the Muslims get in power. The left helped the Muslims get an upper hand. And once the Muslims get the upper hand, they turn on those who helped them get there. Oh yes, that's right, the left. So they're coming against the pride. They're coming against the LGBTQ. They're coming against transgenderism and drag queens. Why would they do that? Oh, have we found allies in the Muslims? No, 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 no. Don't get confused. They're not our allies. We don't, as Christians, we have no allies in Muslims or Islam, folks. It is a work of darkness, Islam is. It is the fact that they're going to the upper house, Dar al-Islam, the house of surrender. Once they go to the upper house, they're no longer allowed to be deceptive. Taqiyah, uh, the, the lie of the tongue, is no longer allowed. Uh, Maruna or Kitman, the lie of appearance, is no longer allowed. The, the permissible and obligatory lying that the Sharia law manual here actually spells out the reliance of the traveler, is no longer allowed. They must now tell the unbelievers the truth and run them out if they will not repent and follow Islam. That's why we've seen this time and time again in Europe or in the UK or in France where the first people they attack in those urban sensitive zones or no-go zones or what ought to be called Muslim zones, Sharia zones, is this is what they'll tell them. Hey, feminist, if you're going to dress immodestly, get out. Hey, homosexuals, uh, using the derogatory, the, derogatory, the derogatory term fags, I'm not being, trying to be rude, that's the derogatory term they use. Hey, get out. You're not allowed in these areas. They'll attack them. They'll force them out. They'll attack women. They'll attack the homosexuals. They'll attack those people because they're now showing their true colors but nobody seems to care. And the media is not gonna tell you the truth because they don't even dare say it was a Muslim who killed a black gay BLM activist. You won't even hear that in the news, that it was a black gay BLM activist who was killed by a Muslim, 17-year-old Muslim punk. And the Muslims will come out and denounce it. Oh, that's not reflective of Islam. No, it is reflective of Islam, again, because according to Sharia law, according to Islamic law, homosexuality is not only a sin, it is punishable by death. So that Muslim did actually nothing wrong according to Islamic law. According to Sharia, if he, if he was in a Muslim-controlled country that was governed by Sharia, like Saudi Arabia or Iran or Pakistan, guess what? Nothing would happen to him. Nothing would happen to him because once they investigated and saw that there was a black homosexual dancing provocatively in, in tight shorts, they would say, 
He was simply following the Quran and he was simply following the Sharia, the law of Allah. He was simply following the example of the Prophet of Islam that said that homosexuals must be killed. This guy was a homosexual. He was being rude. He was being provocative, offensive. So kill him by whatever means. Will anything happen to this kid if they, once they find him? We'll see. But the fact is that just like they can't say Fargo, North, North Dakota was a jihad attack. I was talking to my friend Brandon House the other day. And I said, Brandon, this so reminds me of what happened to us in Sioux Falls. This is almost the same MO. Heavily armed Muslim man was seeking a, to attack a, a, a heavily concentrated area. Like we were having that, that Bible conference in Sioux Falls with over 500 people, women and children, and even elected officials were in the room. This guy in North Dakota was going to a, um, um, a, 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 a downtown concert where there was going to be thousands of people there, the, the, the fair. Uh, and, and, and in our situation, he came into our event armed, videotaping with his Quran. He had his Quran that he was videotaping. And then he, 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 he was videotaping the crowd because he was getting prepared to do something. And thank God we had good security that we had hired, not the Sioux Falls Police Department that were an embarrassment to law enforcement. And I'm saying that as a former police officer, they were more busy on their phones texting while they were getting uh, overtime pay than our security who saw this guy escort him outside where then he goes in his vehicle and makes these videos live on Facebook, brandishing weapon after weapon uh, with every F-bomb and swear word saying, be afraid, be afraid, be very afraid, be effing afraid, on and on and on, brandishing multiple weapons. He had 1,500 rounds of ammo, uh, an AR-15, a um, AK-47, uh, extended mags in his Glock, 30, you know, 20, 30 round mags, 1,500 rounds of ammo in his car, and Sioux Falls Police interviewed him later and said he did nothing wrong, didn't break any laws, simply just exercising his First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights. And um, so I was telling Brandon, man, that just sounds like what happened to us, but thank God we were protected, unlike these, these police officers. Um, and then now all this controversy, because wherever Islam goes, folks, well, what is the other thing you see? Not only, not only do you see attacks on Christians and further jihad, which we'll talk about in a minute, what you see is a rise of anti-Semitism. I want to highlight a, a great article. Actually, it's a, it's a three-part three article that is on Jihad Watch. If we can bring this up, please, Drya. Um, who gets the credit for Muslim anti-Semitism? It is um, from Jihad Watch right there. Hitler or Muhammad? Answer to Dr. Matthias Kunzel. And um, uh, he's discussing the 1947-1948 Arab hesitation Islamist mobilization. Yet the word Islamism does not appear anywhere in this section. He describes various inter- and intra-Arab maneuvering without any understanding of the conflicting pressures. Um, and so uh, this is a, a, a good article to highlight the fact of something that we've covered before, that Hitler was not inspired to eradicate the Jews and the, and the so-called weaker race and did not come to anti-Semitism from his own. Hitler was greatly influenced by Islam. In my new DVD, One World Religion Rising, I highlight the fact that even right now in Jerusalem, when Christians have gone up to the Temple Mount, which is controlled by Jordan. Now remember, the security, the security of the Temple Mount is run by the Israeli Defense Force, by the IDF. But the religious practices that are allowed upon the Temple Mount are controlled by the Waqf Council, W-A-Q-F Council, which is run by Jordan, which is Islamic. And so recently when Christians have gone up to the Temple Mount, they've been forced to wear yellow 
garments. And the yellow garments are consistent with what um, Islam um, establishes for second-class citizens that are called al-dhimma, D-H-I-M-M-A. So non-Muslim subjects of the Islamic State. So if Islam has control, it's like in Hamtramck, Michigan, they're going to subjugate non-Muslims to a secondary state. They're going to say now we must govern by Islamic rule. That's why there's no pride flags allowed. Where is the ACLU? Where is the SPLC? Where are these organizations that are all about hate groups and hate crimes? How come they're not coming down hard on the Muslim city council in Hamtramck, Michigan? How come they're not calling, uh, uh, where is the ACLU filing lawsuits against the city for violation of religious freedom or the freedoms of the LGBTQ? Oh no, they're not going to go after the Muslims. They're not going to go after a Muslim uh, city council because the Muslims are their allies, right? Wink, wink. So when they take control, they institute dimitude. And as part of dimitude, it says here that, Mus uh, that non-Muslims are distinguished from Muslims in dress, wearing a wide cloth belt, a zunar, or other distinguishing objects. And throughout Islamic history, it was known that Muslims would get non-Muslims to wear an item of clothing that was yellow. And the yellow distinguished dimitude. The yellow identified dimi, al-dimma, whether it was um, a robe or whether it was a belt or whether it was a, come on, a star. So where did Hitler get the idea? It was Islam. Islam gave Hitler the idea. When he wrote Mein Kampf, that's why today in most of the Middle East, among uh, jihadists, Mein Kampf is very popular. And they've translated into Mein Jihad, Mein Jihad, Mein Kampf, because Mein Kampf was my struggle. Well, what is, what is jihad? The struggle to advance Islam, to establish Islam. It is the warfare to establish Islam. So Mein Kampf, Mein Jihad, same concept. Hitler had quotes where he had said that he wished that Germany was under the religion of the Mohammedans. That's Islam, not Christianity. He um, brought in Hajj Amin al-Husseini, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, uh, set him up in Berlin with radio shows broadcasting to the Arab world. He set up at least two divisions of the Hansiker uh, troops, the Hansikers, uh, that, that uh, one in Bosnia, one in North Africa, that were predominantly Muslim. So the Nazis and the Muslim Brotherhood, the Nazis, um, uh, the, the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, Albana, Hassan Albana, was an ardent admirer of Hitler. And um, so we've, we, we've documented, this is, this is well documented, by the way. Um, and so this is, this is uh, uh, written by Anjuli Pandawar, who is refuting this Dr. Matthias Kunzel for who really gets the credit for Muslim, Muslim anti-Semitism. The worst anti-Semitism in the world is in the Middle East. And the worst of the worst is in Israel, is in Gaza, Palestinian Authority. And interestingly enough, the lowest anti-Semitism now is in Iran. Because so many of the Iranian people are coming to Christ. And when they come to Christ, their hearts change towards the Jewish people as mine did. I was not anti-Semitic per se, but I certainly didn't like Israel. I didn't like the Jewish people. But I fell in love with Israel and the Jewish people when I became a Christian because of, of reading my Bible and understanding that I serve a Jewish Messiah and that the Jewish people are still, even in their disobedience to God, the apple of his eye. And God has plans for them.
promises for them. The entirety of the, of the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation, is for God's final dealing with Israel and the Jewish people and to ultimately bring them back to himself and for them to recognize that indeed Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, is their long-awaited Messiah. He has already come. So, Islam is anti-Semitic. And where Islam goes, and where Islam is pushed back and rejected, you start seeing breaking off the chains of anti-Semitism. The number one religiously motivated hate crimes in the United States are against Jews. It's anti-Semitism. And then on top of that, you see, let's go to this article, Drya, about, um, let me get to here. And, and, and by the way, uh, it's the one from Jihad Watch, Palestinian Authority and Hamas Form Reconciliation Committee right there. Um, by the way, folks, let me make this clear. Um, as I just said, where, where is the worst anti-Semitism in the world? Where is it? In Gaza and in um, the Western Bank. And now we hear, go ahead and bring this up, please, Dry. Palestinian Authority and Hamas Form Reconciliation Committee. They're coming together. They're going to join forces for the destruction of Israel. Because what is the slogan of Hamas? What is the slogan? Hamas runs, by the way, Gaza. Gaza is run by Hamas. The West Bank is run by the PA, the Palestinian Authority. So PA President Mahmoud Abbas said that um, there is a legitimate representation of the Palestinian people, but now they want to unite with Hamas in a common goal of obliterating Israel. Form a unity government that would adhere to the policies of the Palestinian Liberation Organization and, of course, what is that? It's the slogan, Palestine will be free from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free from the river, the Jordan River, to the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. That means all of Israel. They want all of Israel. They will never, never, ever coexist. And so you see this. And now you see all this controversy about Sharia being imposed because of these Quran burnings. Now, look, look, I'm not a fan of necessarily burning the Quran or burning any book um, because I, I believe in freedom of speech. And, and I think that people should read this evil book for themselves in an authentic copy and understand the darkness that is in this book and contrasted with the light that is in this book. Because they're not the same. There is no common ground. That is unbiblical. And that's why we expose the works of darkness. But um, do I believe that people have a right to burn this? Well, okay, listen. Do I think it's wisdom? No. Do I think it's a good Christian witness? No. But from a legal perspective, if we live in a free country, can somebody burn a book? Can someone burn a Bible? They could. Is it a criminal act? If we have freedom of expression or freedom of speech, is it a criminal act? I don't know. Should it be? From a legal standpoint, you can't stop them. How is it criminal to burn a book? if they don't believe in it, because it's just paper to them. Is that what I would do? No. Would I, would I burn the Quran? No, but I'm going to expose it. What I do is I expose it for how dark and evil it is, how satanic it is. Um, but, uh, and here's the interesting thing. This part, part of the start in the country of Sweden, let's go to the headline, Sweden, Iraqi refugees set fire to the Quran. Um, not that one. Oh, that's the wrong one. Okay. Um, but we'll, uh, yeah, it's the other one that, uh, nope. Uh, did we, you should have that one, the Sweden. Okay, you don't have it. That's okay. Um, Sweden, Iraqi refugees set fire to the Quran outside parliament building in Stockholm. 
Now, here's a question for you. Why would Iraqi refugees set fire to the Quran outside the Swedish parliament? Why? Two men set fire to a copy of the Quran on Monday in front of the Swedish parliament in Stockholm in a rally similar to previous events that provoked a diplomatic crisis between Sweden and the Muslim world. Why? Because they understand what Islam is. They understand what the Quran teaches. They understand what Islam has done to Iraq. They understand what Islam has done to the Christian population in Iraq. They understand. That's probably why. And they hate this book as I hate this book because I hate what is evil. And I hate what Islam does to people and to countries and nations and cultures. Um, but now, uh, both Denmark and Sweden, let's go to the uh, Geller article, Denmark considers banning the Quran burning protest in a craven submission to Sharia or Islamic law. That's absolutely correct from the Geller report. That's absolutely correct because, um, please come back to me, because if you say that you're not allowed by law to burn the Quran, you're capitulating to Islamic law, to Sharia. And, and, and Sweden is now considering the same thing. Denmark and Sweden consider banning the Quran burning protest. The Organization of Islamic Cooperation has been keenly watching as the West has been succumbing to Islamic intimidation and bullying. First came the dismantling of the cornerstone of free society's free speech via the, quote, Islamophobia canard, which the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, which is, by the way, the largest voting bloc in the UN, 56 Muslim countries, and they throw in Palestine for number 57, heavily pushed all over the world. Now comes the heavy-handed endeavor to strike terror in the hearts of disbelievers as the West continues to surrender its freedoms to Islam. And yet, you go back to that article, Drya, from the Jerusalem Post, you see that Sweden, while Sweden and Denmark are thinking about banning Quran burning, they approve the Torah burning. Because somebody decides that outside the, um, is it the Sweden, is it the Israeli embassy? Yeah. Outside the Israeli embassy, a woman in her 50s was given permission to hold a public gathering outside that, the Israeli embassy on Friday during which the woman planned to light the Torah with a lighter. And so the Swedish government gives permission to burn the Torah, but they want to ban the burning of the Quran. Huh. Seem hypocritical? Denmark, France. Oh, by the way, why is that? Why is that? Because look at the article here from Jihad, Jihad Watch. Hezbollah top dog, Nasrallah. Nasrallah is the top dog of Hezbollah, which is funded by Iran. And he says, if the Swedish government continues on this path, it will be a country at war with all of Islam. They've declared war. They're going to declare war on Sweden. Jihad, warfare. What is, what is jihad? What is the definition of jihad, folks? Let me, let me read it for you. Jihad means to war against non-Muslims and is etymologically derived from the word mujahada, signifying warfare to establish the religion of Islam. And so, oh yeah, we're going to threaten Sweden. You allow people to burn the Quran. We'll destroy you, Sweden. Burn the Torah all you want. Burn the Bibles all you want. And so he gave this warning. Like uh, Khomeini in Iran, who said Sweden will, um, has gone into battle array for war with the Islamic nations. Swedish government should consult with Sharia expert on what that entails, according to memory on July 22, 2013. Hassan Nasrallah said that on a Newsgate YouTube channel, uh, Iran's Supreme Leader Khomeini said that by supporting the criminal responsible for the Quran burning incidents in Sweden, the Swedish government has gone into battle array for war against the Islamic world and has brought upon itself the hatred and enmity of the Islamic nations and many of their governments. But Islam is a religion of peace, folks. They believe in freedom. They believe in free expression. Nonsense.
And then we see power. Because, because remember, Iran is going to manifest its power as the Shia power. So people were emailing me saying uh, they saw this in Washington, D.C. They saw this in, uh, in, in Minnesota. Let's go, first of all, Jiraiya, to the article from Min uh, Minnesota about Ashura. Do you see that? Um, got Prey. Yeah, bring this up. Ashura Day 2023 in Minneapolis in the state of Minnesota, United States of America. Uh, and then that was going on. Then uh, the video was sent um, by a friend of mine. Um, and look at this. That um, Where is that video, Drya, on? Do you have that one? Uh, let's play that video. This is outside the White House. This is outside the White House just this past week of Muslims, particularly from, there were Sunni Muslims as well, but, but a lot of Shia Muslims, particularly from Iran, where they were celebrating this so-called Muslim holiday called Ashura, which I'll explain in a minute, um, but they were flogging themselves. Let's go to this video, it's about 48 seconds long. It's very blurry, but just listen, make sure we have audio, Jay. That was outside the White House, a power consolidation. I was asked, does this mean a show of force? Absolutely. Does this mean that the Muslims are feeling emboldened? Absolutely. Because there is so, such weakness in America in dealing with this threat. The Islamic threat, Sharia, the imposition of Sharia, the, the turning of, of America into Islamic enclaves like we see in Hamtramck and Dearborn and um, uh, Cedar Riverside in Minneapolis that has now the Islamic call of prayer being broadcast five times a day over 20 city blocks. That's Dar al-Islam. Hamtramck is Dar al-Islam. Uh, uh, um, Dearborn is Dar al-Islam. St. Cloud, Minnesota is not going to be Dar al-Islam. You see these places. And then the jihad attack in Fargo. Listen, folks, this is rising. This is increasing. One more time, the title of our show today, Wherever Islam Goes, it creates this chaos, evil, darkness. Uh, that's what Islam ushers in. Why, now, why were these people, self, uh, come back to me, please, Jariah. Why were these people self-flagellating or, or, or flogging themselves? This is a, uh, a, a, a uh, action. First of all, what is Ashura? Ashura in Arabic means the 10th. So during the first month of the Muslim calendar, which is Muharram, Muharram, is two parts of the uh, of the there's two parts in this in this word. The main part is the word haram, which means things that are forbidden. So during Muharram, the month of what is forbidden, the first month of the Islamic calendar, um, we have to understand Islam operates not by our Western calendar, but by what's called AH. Their calendar is after Hijra. AH means after Hijra. When Muhammad went from Mecca to to Medina, he committed what's called hijra or migration. They went in mass. And when they went into uh, Medina, which used to be called Yathrib, it was a Jewish community and they ran all the Jews out or they murdered some of the Jews. The tribe of the Banu Qurayza were murdered by Muhammad himself. Even the, even the Islamic text says between six and 900 Jews were massacred and beheaded by the prophet of Islam, the so-called peaceful, tolerant prophet of Islam in Yathrib, then they renamed the city to Medina, and then they took over and implemented now a new calendar called AH, after Hijra. That's the way their calendar operates. It's not when Muhammad supposedly discovered uh, Islam in Mecca, in, 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 a, in a cave. It was when they committed Hijra and took over Yathra. 
That's when Islam really began, because that's when the upper house of Islam really began. That's when the abrogated verses of the Quran really kick in. Make war, fight the unbelievers wherever you find them. That's the true Islam. That's what I saw in Iran when Islam took over. That's what people see in other parts of the world. So why would they do this? Well, during the, the 10th day of Muharram is known as Ashura, which means the 10th. And for Shia Muslims, those are who are from Iran, uh, Lebanon, Syria, the minority of Muslims, smaller percentage, about 13% are Shia, 83 to 85% are Sunni. But they both agree and they both celebrate Ashura, just like the Sunni Muslims in Minnesota were celebrating Ashura by their celebrations. They celebrate, uh, the Shia are celebrating, well, okay, the celebration is celebrating martyrs. So the overall gist of it is we're going to celebrate those who are Shahada, those who have been martyred, martyred. The, uh, sorry, not Shahada, uh, 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 the Shaheed. Uh, the Shahada is the profession of faith. The, the, the martyrdom is celebrated by the Shaheed. The Shaheed are those who have been martyred in the cause of Islam. And so this time is a celebration of all those who have died in martyrdom, in jihad, to advance Islam. And specifically, the Shias celebrate Ali, who is the fourth caliph. After Muhammad, there were rightful caliphs. The Sunnis uh, recognized the first three. Um, Abu Bakr, um, Uthman, and um, uh, Omar. Uh, the Shia celebrate Ali, who is the fourth caliph. And... Um, they don't, be, be, here's why. Because Ali was the grandson of Muhammad. He was blood related. The other caliphs, or the rightful, that word caliph means the rightful leaders, the rightful followers. The other ones that the Sunnis recognized were not blood related to Muhammad. One of them was related through marriage, but not blood related. Where the Shias look at Ali as the grandson and say, well, he's a blood related, so therefore he's the rightful caliph, and that's where Shiaism and Sunniism kind of uh, divide. But they both are celebrating Ashura because of the martyrdom aspect. They celebrate martyrs. And the reason they flog themselves is because this is one of the ways of penance. And and they flog themselves, they will cut their foreheads with a knife. Does that sound like godly behavior? They will flog themselves with, um, with chains, with metal, with rough materials, um, so that it causes great bleeding and scarring on their backs. And they believe that the scarring is a sign of repentance of their sins. They can't get rid of their sins, so they do this flogging so that that supposedly maybe will help to get rid of their sins. Because remember, in Islam, there's no guarantee of salvation unless you are a shaheed, unless you're a martyr. And because they are not yet a martyr, they can't maybe go the route of martyrdom, they come together in this show of force to show how mighty they are, how committed they are to their cause, and they flog themselves, they flagellate themselves, they cut themselves to, to shed blood because at the shedding of the blood of the martyr, Islam teaches that 70 of their relatives go to heaven. Well, if they can't be a martyr, this is a close second. They, they hope, they pray that Allah, their false, idolatrous, antichrist God, will accept their blood, the shedding of their blood for the remission of their sins. And yet the Bible tells us that the true God sent his son who was flogged for our iniquities, who was cut in the forehead for our iniquities. You see how Satan is a counterfeit? Satan is counterfeiting what Christ did upon the cross with the crown of thorns and with the being, being on, the, on the cross and being flogged with the cat of nine tails 
to the point of death almost, Satan counterfeits. He wants humans to try to do these same things to try to earn their salvation. Yet, uh, I, I had my friend uh, Muhammad Amini on months ago, and he talked about that when he was in Iran as a Muslim, he would do this to himself during Ashura. They would beat themselves and cut themselves to shed blood, hoping, praying, please Allah, accept our sacrifice. Please, if they can't be a martyr. And that's what this timeless year, year is about. It is so evil. It is so dark. It is such a counterfeit because we have to give these Muslims the good news. We have to tell them that the true God, the loving God, He has already atoned for our sins. Nothing we do can atone for our sins. Nothing we do in this life can atone for our sins other than to put our faith by belief in Jesus Christ and His atonement. We need to be bold with these Muslims. We need to share Christ with these Muslims to teach them that nothing they do in self-flagellation, flogging, beating, cutting, or even killing themselves in martyrdom can ever save them, can ever give them eternity other than to believe in the name of Jesus Christ as the one true God, to renounce Islam, to come into to Christ because the true God of the Bible already shed the blood, already was flogged, his skin ripped from his body, put upon a cross, the worst death possible for our sins, for their sins. That's the gospel we need to preach. And so sadly, when we see these Ashura festivals, when we see during Ramadan, Christians celebrating Ramadan with Muslims, all of this, folks, is a sign of our weakness, is a sign of our illiteracy, is a sign that we are not exposing the works of darkness, but we're actually embracing the works of darkness. We are having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness instead of what? Not having fellowship and exposing the works of darkness. So for us in our ministry, we will continue. Why does Islam matter? Why do we talk about these things? Because it is deceiving Christians. It is deceiving the world. It is, I believe, part of God's judgment in the last days. I believe Islam is being used by God as, a, as the foot soldiers of the globalists in the last days. They are right there with the globalists doing all the things the globalists want and desire. And all of it means that we are rejecting and compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so even if I'm a voice crying out in the wilderness, I will not be silent. I will not shut up. I will not stop exposing this demonic antichrist spirit known as Islam. I love Muslims enough. Walk in love, walk in light. I love Muslims enough to tell them the truth. They'll never earn their way to God. They only have to put their faith and trust in the one true God who sent His Son, the Godhead, Emmanuel, with us. So I pray that this will help, help you today um, to understand the hypocrisy of the world, the hypocrisy of the American media, of Europe, of the OIC, Organization of the United Nations, the hypocrisy that is there. The Organization of Islamic Cooperation uh, proposing a resolution, December 31st, uh, I mean July 31st, just to the, uh, yesterday, a resolution on the repeated crimes of desecration and burning of copies of Al-Mushaf Ash-Sharif in the Kingdom of Sweden and the Kingdom of Denmark. We're gonna, we're gonna, these are crimes. Burn the Torahs, burn the Bibles, that's okay. Meanwhile, Muslims are killing Christians in record numbers around the world in the greatest persecution in church history. Silence from the church. Silence from the American media. Because God forbid we offend Islam. That's giving in to Sharia. Don't let them burn the Korans. That's giving in to Sharia. Don't say anything bad about Islam. That's giving in to Sharia. Let's say that Muslims worship the same God as Christians. That's giving in to Sharia. That's giving in to deception, folks. And I will not. I will only follow this book. 
and I will speak the truth in love. I pray you do the same. Listen, we got to go. We've already gone way over time. Thank you for being with us today. Um, if you want to support this ministry, by the way, visit our website, but we don't have time for that. If you want to support this ministry, I want to encourage you, um, go to our, our, our donate page, tillproject.com slash donate. Will you prayerfully consider a one-time donation right now to keep us going, to keep us speaking? Visit tillministry.com slash donate, tillministry.com slash donate. And if you want to uh, not do an online, but you want to mail a check-in, please go to our support page right here, as you see on the screen. P.O. Box 4523, Maryville, Tennessee, 37802 is the address. Please make a check out the Truth and Love or Truth and Love Ministry. We're so grateful for every one-time donation. And we're also very grateful for our Gideon Army. These are those who pray for us on a monthly basis and give on a monthly basis. And if you're uh, prayerfully would consider that, we'd be grateful. We are so grateful, truly. We praise God for every single one of our donors that keeps this ministry alive and going. Uh, supporting this work, supporting our family, supporting our voice. Thank you for your support. Um, please share this show. Share it with others who need to know what is going on with Islam. Islam causes chaos and evil wherever it takes root. And the only thing to push it back, unless, well, there's two things, warfare and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to preach the gospel powerfully, faithfully. We'll see you Thursday night live, 8 o'clock Eastern, for Truth Today. Pastor Sharam Hadian, God bless. Have a great week.